how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. John Abnett is best known for his work as a director on movies like Fried Green Tomatoes, The War, Up Close and Personal, 88 Minutes, and Righteous Kill. Recently, he's also directed shows like Rake, Justified, Sneaky Pete, and Manhunt. The director's latest film deals with identity, but also schizophrenia. Three Christ follows Dr. Alan Stone, who is treating three paranoid schizophrenic patients at a state hospital in Michigan, each of whom believed they were Jesus Christ. The film stars Richard Gere as Stone and Peter Dinklage, Walton Goggins, and Bradley Whitford as the patients. In this interview, Abnett discusses the differences and similarities of the characters in the film, why he's frustratingly slow at casting, why some TV shows aren't as good as they should be, why he produced Black Swan, why filmmakers should appreciate rejection, and how obsession helps with career longevity. If you enjoyed this interview, join millions of viewers for the new video essay series, also called Creative Principles, on YouTube. So, on uh, uh, Three Christs, you know, which is the movie that I just did, uh, you know, I thought the premise was incredibly provocative. You know, taking three paranoid schizophrenics who are delusional and each believe they're Jesus Christ and putting them in a room together to see if they could be dissuaded of their delusion, that really caught my fancy. And, uh, and when I read the underlying work and got to understand it, I thought, wow, that's, that's a challenge. So I, I, I found the characters in the, the book to be very compelling and very isolated, very lonely, and it, it, it moved me. So I think it's character and whether I can hook into them and whether it moves me, makes me laugh, or whatever combination of things. Uh, also, the, the idea here, I guess, also was provocative of me, which is identity. You know, who are you? you know, and who gets to tell you who you can be or can't be? You know, on an intellectual level, that, that, uh, I like that. I wanted to explore that. And you've obviously got some great actors here, but on paper, how do you start to kind of tell these or determine who these characters are when when they're in the room because they believe the same thing? What kind of separates them, or can you talk a little bit about how they how they're each different from one another? You know, if you you know in the in the movie, you hear their case histories, if you will, uh, albeit condensed. Uh, there were some similarities. I mean, they all served our country in the war which is something that interested me. Uh, but they all had different makeups and different uh, histories. So, 
Leon's character, the character that Walton Goggins played, his mother was a religious fanatic. Uh, and you could sort of track his history, his growing up, her you know, fanaticism about religion uh, with what his delusions became and how he broke. But he broke. He, you know, he's a paranoid schizophrenic. And that's what they share, the same diagnosis, if you will. Uh, Brad Whitford's character you know, came from a different world, a very rural world, and, you know, a farming world. And, you know, in his world, you know, when he, I think the triggering event for him was when his wife had an abortion and died. Uh, and he blamed himself for it. And that was to some extent, you know, the cause of his break, if you will. Uh, I mean, there, there's no clear cut scientific, 100% accurate way to say why someone breaks. But this is, you know, as close as I can come to giving the information, you know, uh, and the character of Peter Dinklage, you know, came from a completely different world and, you know, was fascinated with, uh, you know, with, with England, you know, and what England represented to him, you know, and he was you know, someone who loved opera and he loved writing and he wrote and he was, you know, just thought music was divine and, in his delusion, you know, as Christ, he would be, he would go to England and be, in a, in a way, reincarnated as Christ and, and live the life that he wanted to live and shed his love of things beautiful, such as music, on everyone. Uh, so they were very, very different in many ways. Uh, and, uh, and that was critical. Otherwise, why would they be interesting to be together? What was the conflict? Not just their, their, uh, beliefs being the same that they're all that they're each one of them are Christ, but where they came from, what what was, you know, at the heart of them. So you've worked with some of these actors before, like uh, Goggins on Justified or Richard Gere as well. Did you kind of have these people in mind when you start to read the script or how do you kind of go about uh, casting and reaching out to some of those familiar characters you worked with before? First of all, I I'm very slow at casting. I think I'm good at it, but I'm frustratingly slow. In this case, it took me a long time, you know, working with Eric Mazarian on the script to get it where I thought it was good. And I was working with Walton on Justified. When I mentioned it to him, he said he was interested to read it. He read it. This was about four years before I ever made the movie. So I thought he'd be a great Leon. And I, you know, as I was working on it, I thought he'd be great. So after he read it and he was interested, I rewrote some of the stuff listening to him read stuff and working with him. Uh, so I was very lucky to have worked with him and have that there. And the same thing was true with Richard, who I'd worked with on a couple times. And when Richard read it and liked it, we worked maybe 16 or 18 months together on the script, on the character, and on casting. <laughs> uh, and likewise, Brad Whitford, the first time I worked with Brad was with Richard here on uh, Red Corner. Brad was in that also. And I worked with him many times subsequently, and he really wanted to play the character of Clyde. So we sat down and talked, and, you know, he asked a lot of questions, and Brad's a brilliant actor. All these actors are so good. God, was I fortunate. Uh, and so having worked with Brad, the language, or Walt and the Richard, there was a shorthand. Uh, and when, when Peter came in, he was like, I want to be in this group. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he quickly got in it. But, you know, 
he's a very singular performer. And, uh, you know, he, he got that, you know, I'd work with most everybody there and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it, it having that kind of, uh, repertory company, is such a value to a, a director like me, uh, because I'm very actor centric when it comes to doing the movie. And we had two weeks of rehearsal and I like to give them a lot of room to play, to internalize and to make things their own. And one of the few things I would say to them is don't make decisions quickly. Take your time, you know, live in the uncertainty of who this character is or how you would play this moment, because you will make a decision. And the longer you wait, the more likely you will make a better choice. Uh, And I think, they, they, they listen to that, and, and the result is in their, in their work. So you kinda, I'm looking at your director credits. You kind of started with some, some great films um, back in the 90s. You kind of moved towards television. What makes this story, which is, it feels like less movies like this are being made because some of this drama is going to TV. What makes this story better as a movie uh, than a series or something like that? I came out of movies, so I'm, you know, a little bit of a, an old fogey. Uh, and, you know, when I first saw this project, I wanted to do it as a movie, and I wanted to do it as a movie that would play in the theaters. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate that I've had the ability, the opportunity to make a number of movies and, as you say, work on television, which I like very much. Uh, but it's different. You know, a movie is on a big screen and an audience is there. And if they don't laugh at stuff that's funny, you got to fix it if you can. <laughs> and I like the back and forth. And for instance, when we screened the film in Toronto, for 2,200 people, I think, the audience reacted so positively and they laughed at all the behavior that I hoped they would understand and enjoy that I was really kind of overwhelmed. Uh, and and, and it, it might have been the best screening of my life. And some of the movies I've done have really performed well and screened well. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, that, that was, that was very gratifying on the most egocentric level. Uh, not that that is the most important thing to anybody other than to me occasionally. Uh, but it was, it, it felt like on the big screen, I could create maybe the magic of being in this world and you could enter the world, get to know the characters and take this you know, language, which the professional term is neological, and it means what it sounds like. It makes no sense, right? And, and most people are familiar with that. They see people who are psychotic talking. And my goal was to take the language and use a lot of it from the actual study and make it possible for an audience to understand it, make it accessible, so they could be a little bit like the doctor and understand, get to understand these these patients as characters and understand they're people and they deserve to be treated as people. They shouldn't be drugged. They shouldn't be shocked. They shouldn't be warehoused. Uh, you know, and, and that was sort of one of the guiding principles for me. And, you know, it, 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 I understand on a certain level, the form of a film, I'm less, uh, I'm less internally comfortable with running a series. You know, I, I like to work with Graham Yost. Why? He's a great writer. I can direct his work. I, I, you know, I bring something, but he's the writer. You know, and there, there are only one or two ideas I would ever think I could do as a series because it's very hard to write a series and have all the episodes be really great. 
and I'm programmed to try and do something that I'm proud of. And a lot of times in television series, I'm not, I don't think it's as good as it should be. And sometimes it's because you have to set up characters. Sometimes it's because you're building to a climax. There are a lot of reasons and a lot of things, but it's very difficult. It's very demanding. And being a showrunner is not one of the skills I think I'm, I have. Well, let's put it this way. There are a lot of people who are a lot better at it than me. <laughs> so this was always a movie to me, and that's why I did it, and that's why I did it the way I did Sounds like you also have that, you have more of their attention spans. You can be a little bit more subtle with things going on in the story as well. Well, that's, that's my preferred form of storytelling. You, you really hit it on the nail because when you set something, like, for instance, to me, you know, at the end of the movie, I hope the audience understands what the word England meant to Peter. You know, I think it's moving to me. And if it's moving to the audience, then I did my job. When, Walton, when uh, Brad Whitford asks Walton Goggins, is New York closer to England? You know, I mean, it means are we going to be closer to Peter, you know, to his character? You know what I mean? And if you understand that language, you start to understand the people and their characters. And everything in storytelling, to me, is about getting to know character, getting immersed in the character. In this case, also getting past, you know, the normal uh, attitude towards people who are paranoid schizophrenic. You know, they're nuts. They're not people. They shouldn't be afforded the treatment. They shouldn't be listened to. Well, I think that's totally wrong. And, you know, what I, it's not that this is a, you know, I'm on a soapbox in this movie, but, you know, I think the, the experience, particularly in a theater, allows you to see the subtleties of their behavior, and that helps you understand their language, and in turn allows you to understand them better. And so it was shot, it was staged, you know, to take advantage of that bigger screen. I don't think it doesn't work, you know, on a television set, I don't know about a phone, uh, but I think it is a more intense whole thing. And exactly what you're saying, all the things that I felt were hopefully subtle but clear are much easier to comprehend and to experience in the theater. Um, I usually ask about uh, advice for kind of breaking into the business, but I'm actually, can you tell me a little bit about longevity? Like how do you make a career last as a writer, director, and producer? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate, you know, I'm a very persistent, stubborn person. And Richard says, I was just obsessed with this movie, you know, and it was like a calling for me. I think he's probably right, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I have learned over a long period of time, if you really want something to happen, there's no excuses for it not happening. And I don't blame anybody for anything. It's me. So all my failures are mine. <laughs> uh, and I, I really make an effort to make stuff happen. I do have, you know, I, I, I have learned to listen well and take criticism. And when I work on a script, you know, I have a lot of friends who are really talented writers who give me notes. I listen to them carefully. And, and I think the script improves. I do the same thing when I'm finishing the film. I show it to a lot of filmmakers. Uh, so I'm, I, I try to maintain a high level of, uh, of work, you know, and hope that that will give me opportunities as I get older and, you know, less, less, less 
part of the more desirable part of the culture, if you will. Uh, you know, I was surprised that Black Swan was as successful as it was as a movie, but I wasn't surprised about what it was about it that I thought might work. Because can you imagine me trying to sell that? A young woman loves her art so much she's willing to die for it, and she does. Oh, and by the way, it's humorless. No one's going to buy that. You know, no one's going to believe anybody will see it. Well, the movie Darren made and the way that Mila and Natalie, you know, performed, I thought it was really good. And the audience took to it. Uh, and it touched what I thought was something very strong, which is the aspirational nature of young women. And that's something I believe. Whether it's true or not, I believe it. Uh, and I think that, you know, even though it was hyperbolic in many ways, you know, uh, landed with people. So, you know, I, I think you have to be willing to work ridiculously hard. No one should enter this world unless they really want to be here because the hours, the commitment, the amount of rejection you're going to get is beyond belief. And if it phases you so much that you can't continue with it, you're in the wrong place and nothing's going to change that. But as I say often to film students, if you love rejection, if when someone says no, you you like it, it, you like to snarl at it, you like to laugh at it. You like to say, I'm going to change your mind, you know, uh, then you're in the right place. Uh, but ultimately, to me, I think everything is the quality of the work you do. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.